Amen. Good morning. Please be seated. Thank you so much for being with us. Happy Easter. The Lord Jesus Christ is risen, and we've gathered here today to celebrate the risen Lord. I am uh, so grateful. I was stepped inside and was uh, worshiping indoors for just a minute, and before coming back outside, I'm so glad that we have an indoor and outdoor option, because I don't know where we would put all of y'all today. What a great crowd. Wonderful, wonderful opportunity worshiping indoors with our folks. This is our last outdoor service, so uh, just be aware next Sunday when you show up, we will be inside um, in the sanctuary, and for those of you who want some more space, we'll have the gym open for overflow, so that will be the order of of, of service moving forward. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in the book of John chapter 20. John chapter 20, while you're turning there, uh, just another reminder that we are so glad, or not a reminder, just another thank you instead for being here. Uh, I do want to especially thank those folks who showed up super early this morning to set up for our our sunrise service. We had a group of people that started getting here about 6 o'clock to get all that stuff ready and all the things that go into making those things happen. Our church has really, uh, really shown up and, and just overwhelmed me with the way that those folks have taken care of things. Our first outdoor service was actually Easter of last year. Uh, we gathered in the parking lot for the first time. And I'll tell you the reason that we continue to gather in that parking lot, because on that Easter last year, when folks pulled in the parking lot after having not seen one another for about four or five weeks, I saw folks that just sat here and cried as they gathered to worship. And uh, at that point, we decided we would do everything in our power to make in-person worship a priority. That in-person priority for us meant that we spent a whole lot of time outside I got sunburned a couple of Sundays. We got really cold a few Sundays. And then we've, uh, we've been able to move and be indoors, outdoors, and online and do all the things all at the same time. And uh, just, just to be totally honest before I jump into the sermon, I just want to thank our folks. I'm going to tell you, I, I've looked at those folks that are involved in our technology on more than one occasion and said, I think it'd be really good if we did this. And they roll their eyes and look at me and say, I guess you do. But you know, it was awesome. And about a week and a half later, they'd pull it off. The first time I said, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we could be inside and outside and broadcast all of it at the same time? They said, that would be really awesome, Craig. I said, I bet y'all can do that. I got faith in you. Yeah, sure, whatever. But you know what? About a week and a half later, they did that. And so today, we are inside, outside. Those of you in the sanctuary get to look at me on those beautiful screens. Those of you out here get to enjoy us in in creation. But uh, the Lord's been good to us, and we're grateful for that. But today, we gather to celebrate the Lord. Hopefully, by now, you've made it to John chapter 20. We're going to begin reading in verse 24. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to please stand with me in honor of God's Word. Now, the, the reading that we have this morning, if you can imagine, it takes place a full week after that very first Easter. So that very first Easter, a Sunday morning, when the Lord Jesus rose from the tomb, he appeared to many, but the Bible teaches us that, the, that Thomas was not there. And so it's one full week later. The Bible records this as eight days because uh, in, in the New Testament, the counting, they counted the, the current day as well as the days to come. So that's why when we say that Jesus rose three days later, the way that we account time would, uh, would, would maybe be two days because we don't tend to count the day of. But in the Jewish counting of the time, they counted the day. So let's say this was eight days later, but this is Sunday to Sunday. So the following Sunday, we've got this, this account beginning in verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were again were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, 
Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that your word that is alive and active, Lord God, would not return void today. We trust your promises and know that as it is preached, as it is taught, that it does everything you've intended for it to do. Lord, I pray that you would open hearts to receive it, Lord God, that you, Lord, would hide me behind your cross, that, Father God, you would take the feeble, frail words of this preacher and do something magnificent. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Honest unbelief. Honest unbelief. What what do you do if you don't believe? See, I I, I recognize that Easter, especially in the South, Easter is a cultural phenomenon. And there are probably some folks that have showed up today that that might not consider yourselves Christian. Or or maybe you're not sure if you're Christian. Or maybe you're just not sure where you fit into all this. But you're here because mom said to be here. Or because it's just the thing to do. Your friends are here. It gave you a good excuse to get dressed up. But what if you don't believe? You know, some things are just hard to believe. Some things seem to be too much to believe. Here at Easter, many people talk of cute bunnies and chicks. You can go to the store and you can buy a bunny. I understand you can even train a rabbit to use a litter box like a cat. I even saw a video of somebody that had a rabbit on a leash, and they were doing these little obstacle courses with bunny rabbits. They're so cute. However, not everything about rabbits is fun and adorable. Snowshoe hares in Canada's Yukon Territory eat vegetation in the summer months, but in the harsh winters of northern Canada, they eat birds and even scavenge on the carcasses of other hares. Those cute, sweet little bunnies are cannibals. It's hard to believe when you look at them, but it's true. Other things are hard to believe. In the mid-1960s, Mattel produced a Barbie doll called Slumber Party Barbie. Accessories included a small scale, small plastic scale, permanently set to 110 pounds, and a diet book titled How to Lose Weight. The only advice in Barbie's diet book was don't eat. It's really bad when I'm outside and I can't tell if y'all are laughing. If y'all can laugh a little loud, I'd appreciate it. Three men actually sued NASA for trespassing on Mars. Some of you don't believe it, but sugar doesn't actually make kids hyper. It just rots their teeth. How about this one? Before he was killed in 1993, Pablo Escobar imported hippopotamuses, I think it's hippopotami when they're plural, to Colombia. When the government seized his property, they didn't have any way to move the hippos, so they left them there. And since then, the herd has grown to a sizable invasive species, maybe as many as 120 of them. How about this? In 1932, the original version of Three Musketeers candy bar contained three separate candy bars in one wrapper. That's why it's called a Three Musketeers. I had no idea. One was chocolate, the other was strawberry, and one was vanilla. But during World War II, candy makers had to work around sugar rations, so they cut it down to just one candy bar. Since World War II, we've really been getting shortchanged on three... Well, I'll be honest with you. If you ever ate the Three Musketeers, you got shortchanged anyway. Those things are nasty. (laughs) Finally, if we put it in a movie, you wouldn't believe it. But Robert Todd Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln's son, was saved from a gruesome train accident by the brother of the man who would later assassinate his father. Lincoln, the younger, traveled to D.C., and on the way there, he ended up on a crowded train platform. He pressed himself against the train to let other people pass, but when the train began to move, he fell between the train and the platform. 
He might have been squashed if not for the then famous stage actor Edwin Booth, the brother of John Wilkes Booth, who pulled Lincoln up by the collar and back onto the platform. We know that to be true because they found a letter from Abraham Lincoln to Edwin Booth thanking him for saving his son. Some things are hard to believe, and if we're honest, few things are as hard to believe as a man rising from the dead. Those of us that are Christians that spend our lives in the church, we begin to sort of absorb these things as, as if they're just some normal occurrence. But the reality is when we start talking about rising from the dead, it's strange, it's difficult to believe. None of you would believe me if I said that somebody walked out of that cemetery. Nobody would believe that unless you had seen it. Some things are hard to believe. And when it comes to the apostle Thomas, the disciple Thomas, he was a guy who was just not willing to believe. As a matter of fact, not only was he not willing to believe, some believe that Thomas actually became shortly estranged from the other disciples because of his lack of belief. You can imagine that Jesus died on a Friday. Three days later, he rose from the grave. They began to report the story. The women at the tomb said, we've seen the Lord alive. Peter and John say, we've seen him. Later that night, the Bible says that the 12 were gathered together, but for some reason, Thomas was not there. Of course, we don't know for sure, but it does seem a little bit conspicuous, doesn't it? Why was Thomas not there? Perhaps Thomas had begun to hear them talking and Thomas said, I'm not going to put up with this crazy talk. I've got no interest in believing this. And so when the Lord Jesus appeared to the ten or to the the, the gathered disciples, there were only ten of them there. Judas, of course, had gone off and killed himself and Thomas was absent. As a matter of fact, when they began to press Thomas, Thomas said, y'all have lost your minds. I won't believe it unless I put my finger into his hands and my hand into his side what did Thomas believe it would appear as though Thomas believed one of two things either they had seen an imposter or why would Thomas say I've got to touch him Thomas believed it more likely that they would have seen a ghost than they could have seen the risen Lord do you understand how difficult it is to believe in resurrection Thomas said it's easier for me to believe you've seen a ghost and to believe that you've seen the risen Lord. Some things are hard to believe. And so this morning, the question I really want us to wrestle with is, what if you don't believe? I want you to wrestle with that question. What if I don't believe? What if you don't? First thing I want you to do is just be honest about it. I want you to be honest about it. In the South, it's still considered, in most places, pretty good manners to be a Christian, but today... We want to invite you to join Thomas. If you're not a Christian, if all this just seems too much for you to believe in, we want to encourage you to be honest with you. Say, Craig, it's Easter. What in the world are you doing? Well, I'm just encouraging you to stop lying. Don't lie to yourself. Don't lie to anybody else. Because the truth of the matter is, when it comes to, (coughs) excuse me, when it comes to your relationship with the Lord, when it comes to your belief in the Almighty, when it comes to your belief in matters related to eternity, listen, lying to me is not going to get you anywhere anyway. We might as well work to make sure we have a life that looks on the outside like it looks on the inside. I don't want you to be a hypocrite. I don't want you to be a hypocrite. I don't want anybody to claim to be a follower of Jesus and not live like it. At the same time, I don't want anybody to claim to be a follower of Jesus if inside they don't actually believe it. I want you to be honest. Let's, we call Thomas doubting Thomas, but it's really not fair. He was just honest, Thomas. Thomas was no idiot. He was no moron. Thomas looks around and says, it doesn't seem really likely that somebody would rise from the dead. 
Listen, we should probably applaud Thomas, pat him on the back. Thomas, thank you for looking at us. Thank you for looking at the world and saying, I need some proof that y'all haven't collectively lost your minds. You know, it's a little bit inaccurate. It's actually pretty crazy to believe that Jesus' disciples were easily duped. I mentioned this in our, our sunrise. Those of you that came out and froze with us this morning, wasn't that a great time? Not the cold part. The rest of it was good. The cold part was pretty brutal. But it's, 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 it's what, what we sometimes refer to as, as chronological snobbery for us to believe that people in the first century were just really thick-headed, thick-skulled, that they were just not intelligent. And as a result, when somebody walked around and was like, hey, this guy rose from the dead, the people in the first century would went, oh yeah, he rose from the dead, of course he did. That makes perfect sense. Y'all, it doesn't matter if you live in 2021 or if you lived in what we now know as the year 1 AD or if you lived in 1500 BC. It doesn't matter when you've lived. There's never been a point in history when somebody would have come to you and said, hey, Jesus rose from the dead. And you would go, well, that makes sense. Nobody would ever hear that and go, well, of course he did. Because why? Throughout history, nobody's ever seen anybody come back from the dead. It just doesn't happen. They get buried, you walk away, there's what, that's all it is. They're dead. They're dead, dead. How dead is dead? Dead, dead. Spraying some weeds one time, I said to a guy, I said, well, maybe I should double up the amount of, of Roundup that I use. He said, do you like wasting money? I said, no, I want these weeds to die. He said, what's deader than Dead. Pretty good question, right? I didn't double the roundup. I just went, save my money. What's deader than dead? The disciples weren't easily duped. They weren't crazy. People didn't rise from the dead 2,000 years ago. No one expected them to. Like I said, Thomas, <laughs> Thomas said, hey, maybe it's a ghost. He assumed that if they were seeing anything, it had to be a ghost or an imposter. Thomas was honest. Folks, do you believe? If you don't, I just want you to be honest about it. I want us as a church... I want us as believers, I want us as families to be the kind of place where it's, it's okay for us to wrestle with our faith, to be honest with our faith. You know, I'm, I'm a parent. I want my children to come to me when they find things in the Scripture that are hard to believe. I want them to come to me and say, I don't know if I understand this. I don't know if I can believe this. Sometimes we create a scenario where we say, it's not okay to doubt. Thomas doubted. And what did Jesus do when Thomas doubted? Jesus answered his questions. Jesus answered his question. So the first thing I want you to do is just to be honest about it. The second thing I want you to draw a line. I want you to set a standard and seek the answer. We talked about this. I don't know if we talked about this a lot publicly. We talked about this some privately. I may have mentioned this a few times publicly as it related to, to COVID lockdowns. I, I urged people several months ago to, to, to draw a line. We began to see things get a little bit different. We get, began to understand a little bit more about it. And I sure encourage people to draw a line. Say, well, what do you mean? I said, okay, you're not comfortable coming back to, to church today, for instance. You don't want to come inside. We'll, we'll worship outside. Well, you're still not comfortable worshiping outside. What I urge people to do is just say, this is what needs to happen in my life for me to be comfortable attending worship again or for me to be comfortable. Why? Because if we don't draw a line, then we sort of create this, this nebulous experience that just says, well, I'm uncomfortable. Without me drawing a line, I can just stay uncomfortable the rest of my life. When it comes to your belief or lack thereof in the Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection, I want you to encourage you to draw a line, set a standard, and seek the answer. Thomas said, I need to see the marks 
And I need to touch the marks on his hand and I need to touch the marks in his side. Thomas didn't believe, but he was willing to believe if certain conditions were met. What about you? What are the conditions that need to be met for you to be willing to believe? What are the conditions that need need to be met for you to be a part of a local church? What are the conditions that need to be met for you to, 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 to return to regular worship? Some people just don't want to believe. I, I get it. But my qu- and, 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 and I think we should just be honest about that. So, some, some folks just don't want to believe. As Christians, for those folks that just don't want to believe, what do we do? One, one approach would be you beat them over the head with, with the Bible. Good chance that's not going to work. Another approach would be that you love them as Jesus loved them, and you seek out opportunities to share with them why it is that you love them. You give them the gospel. If you're here today and you don't want to believe, I just want you to know that we, we at Malvern Hill want to be the kind of place where, where you can, can come and ask questions. But, but maybe you're here, and, and let me just ask this. Let me ask you to do this. What would it take for you to believe? What would it take? What would need to happen in your life? How could I convince you that this story, this God is real and this Savior died on a cross and he rose from the dead? Draw a line. Say, if I could know this, then I would believe. Listen, if you're unwilling to draw a line that says, if I could know this, I would believe. Or if you're unwilling to draw a line that says, if this were to happen, then I would join a local church. Or if this were to happen, I would do this. If you're unwilling to draw the line, then we got to go back to step one and say, let's just be honest. Because at that point, the honesty for you is, I'm not interested. You understand? Again, but let's just be honest. You, you, just, you need to be honest with yourself. You need to be honest with the Lord. You need to be honest with the people around you. But the longer that you keep sort of hiding behind it, be honest. But what is it? Let's just say that you say, I'm ready. You say, if I could know that Jesus actually lived, then I'd believe. If I could know that Jesus actually died, then I'd believe. If I could know that Jesus rose from the grave, then I would believe. Some people get caught up in, in creation or with the book of Revelation. Some people get caught up with, with divine inspiration of the word of God. If I could know that the Bible was true, then I would believe. Folks, draw a line. What is it? Figure it out. 95% of you know what the line is. And if you don't, let me urge you to seek out the line. What would need to change for me to be willing to change my life, to change my focus, to change my to trust in the Lord? Be honest. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with others. <laughs> let me just say, if you're not going to be honest with others, at least be honest with yourself. Like, start there. Be honest with yourself. Look in the mirror and say, hey, this is who I am. Don't lie to yourself. You'll never get, the, get anything that way. Be honest with yourself. Draw a line in the sand. And then finally, <clears throat> trust Jesus when he shows up. Now, I, I, I want to turn back to that, that passage of Scripture, to John chapter 20, because I, I, I want to I read directly for you. <clears throat> We get to verse 20, 26, the end of it. Jesus comes in, the doors are locked, he shows up, and Jesus says, peace be with you. Then verse 27, he said to Thomas, I'm going to tell you something, at this point, Thomas ain't feeling real good, okay? <laughs> because at this point, Thomas is looking and there he stands. And Jesus does not speak to the crowd. Jesus speaks to Thomas. 
Now, there's probably more than just 10 people here, more than 11. It's probably sort of the, the gathered group of people who had seen. Remember, the women had seen Jesus, others by this point had seen. So you might have 20, 30, 40 people. Who knows? Jesus appears in this room. He doesn't scan the room. Boom! Eyes are locked in. Right here. Thomas! I bet he didn't yell like that, though, did he? Anybody imagine the Jesus we know looking at him and screaming? No. Thomas. But then watch what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't make any requests. This is interesting. Put your finger here and see my hands. And put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Literally, do not have a lack of faith, but believe. But do you know what these words are from Jesus? These are commands from Jesus. Now, commands don't fit real well in our 21st century postmodern mindset of wandering and and questioning. But Jesus gives specific commands to Thomas. Thomas says, I won't believe unless. Jesus shows up and says, touch this. Now, we all get upset when somebody tells us to do something. You're not in charge of me. Jesus says, do it. Our flesh says, you don't get to tell me what to do, Jesus. Who do you think you are? And then our heart says, oh, wait a minute. Now I get it. See, when we follow Jesus' commands, we discover that they aren't onerous. Instead, they give us freedom and abundance. So when Jesus shows up, he says, look and touch my hands. And Thomas doesn't respond with, don't talk to me that way, Jesus. Where have you been for the last eight days? Turn back. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. It doesn't appear that Thomas even reached out his hand and did it. It appears that the appearance of Jesus changed everything. If you don't believe, be honest about it. Set a standard for belief, but then ask, do do this. When Jesus shows up, trust him. I said when, not if. Why could I say when? Because all who seek him find him. All who seek him find him. In the history of mankind, there's never been a soul that sought the Lord Jesus Christ that did not find him. If you seek him, you will find him. Be ready when he shows up. It's going to be different than you expect. I don't know exactly what Thomas expected, but I'm pretty sure he didn't expect Jesus to walk in in the flesh and go, Thomas, I've been listening Turns out, Thomas, I know the desires of your heart. And Thomas, here I am. Jesus showed up. Thomas's defenses were melted away. Thomas said, I'll tell you what I want. Jesus showed up and said, oh, okay, all right then. I got you. Thomas knew Jesus was trustworthy. He had lived with Jesus. He had learned from Jesus. He had seen him work miracles, loved the poor, the outcast, the hurting. Thomas knew who Jesus was. Thomas just needed to be convinced that Jesus had risen from the dead. And when Jesus showed up, Thomas had all he needed. See, Thomas didn't experience Easter for a week. Jesus had been alive for a week before Thomas experienced Easter. What if you don't believe? Can I just tell you that if you don't believe, you're in the right place. 
It's okay to struggle. It's okay to question. It's okay to demand evidence. But be honest. Draw a line. Set that standard. What's it going to take? And finally, trust the Lord when he shows up. Trust him. We've been reading through the Bible as a church, and recently we completed the book of Judges. One of the most significant of Israel's judges was a guy named Gideon. And the Lord used Gideon to do a great work to rescue his people. However, when the Lord called Gideon, Gideon was hesitant. So the Lord appeared to Gideon, and, and Gideon says, well, I don't know who you are, I'm going to do this. And, and, and the Lord actually, Gideon says, I'm going to offer a sacrifice. The Lord consumed that sacrifice with a fire right there on the spot. Well, we would like to think that would have been enough, but Gideon wasn't satisfied. Now, again, before we point fingers at Gideon, we all need to remember most of us have been in a place before where the Lord had made his will known to us and we just kept saying, God, I, maybe if you'll just convince, confirm it for me. Many of you have heard me share my testimony. How many times I sat before the Lord and said, God, if you want me to actually go into ministry, God, I need you to, to reveal that to me. I, I need to know. You've heard me say that I remember laying uh, or sitting in, in, in one day opening my Bible, just that good biblical research method, just throw it open and see where it lands, right? Lord, just, just teach me something. I, I remember opening to the concordance, that part in the back of your Bible that's like a little dictionary, and I open it up in there in the concordance where these, these three words, call, called, and calling. And I said, well, that's, a, that's just a coincidence. Shut it and went to bed. We've all been in that place, hadn't we? We could just, didn't matter what happened in our life, we could explain it away. So we'd like to think that Gideon is, is, is not as good as us, but the reality is we've all been there. So, but, so Gideon was fearful to follow the Lord. The Lord appeared to consume the sacrifice, but Gideon was afraid. So Gideon tested the Lord. Now you might remember the story. God, he says, if it isn't too much to ask, I, just so I know for sure, in the morning when I wake up, here's what I want. I'm going to lay out this fleece, and I want it to be soaking wet, and I want the ground around it to be dry. He wakes up the next morning, wet fleece, rings it out. The Bible says, man. So certainly Gideon should have said, oh, here we go. But he didn't. Gideon, Gideon says, Lord, if it's, if it's not too much, God, and I, I don't want you to, I don't want to press my luck too much, but if, if you would just wet the ground all around it this time and leave the fleece dry, then, God, I'll, I'll know. Of course, that's exactly what happened. You know, the Lord honored Gideon's request, but I, I want you to notice something. Gideon had already seen the Lord work, and he was well aware of God's commands. Now, before we jump to that part, I, I do want to point out the grace, the love, the mercy of our Lord. Thomas said, unless I can see and touch, I won't believe. And the Lord said, Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus appeared. If it's what it's going to take, Thomas, here I am. Gideon tested the Lord twice, but the Lord still appeared because God is graceful. He's gracious, he's merciful, he's loving. He bows his knee to our needs because he is willing to, not because he has to. But I want you to see this. In, in Judges chapter 6, verse 36 and 37, Gideon twice says this. He says, this is after he says, will you wet the fleece and then will you keep the fleece dry? He says this, Then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand as you have said. The Lord had already told Gideon what he was going to do. He then said, Lord, I'm going to need you to prove that you're going to do what you said you're going to do. Now parents, I just want you to close your eyes with me and think for a minute. 
You say to your kid, hey, I'm going to do this. And your kid looks at you and says, well, if you're really going to do that, I'm going to need you to prove it to me. If you really mean that, I'm going to need you to do something extra special so I can prove it. And then let's just say that as a parent, you're kind enough to say, fine. You need me to prove it, I'll prove it. Then the next day they go, I still don't believe you. I know you said it. But if you really mean it, then you better prove it to me. Not many parents here would be the kind of parents that go, if that's what you need, sweetie. Like in my house, that's not exact. We'd be more about law than grace at that point. But the Lord is filled with grace and mercy. Even though the Lord had said it and Gideon didn't believe it, the Bible says that God ministered to Gideon anyway. You see, Gideon knew what God had said. God had shown himself to Gideon. The problem was Gideon didn't trust God's character. This is where the script gets flipped with Thomas. Thomas knew that Jesus' character was love and grace and mercy. He just didn't know that Jesus was alive. You know, if we're honest, some of you are still waiting for evidence or for the Lord to reveal himself. But there, there are no doubt some of you here today, or maybe who are watching online, who are well aware that God is who he claims to be. You believe that he died on the cross. You even believe that he rose from the tomb. But you just don't trust him. You just don't trust his character to do and be what he claims to do and be. Like Judas, you believe that you know better. And so you continue to work your own plan, believing that your plan is going to bring about the desired ends. Listen, if that's you today, let me invite you, let me urge you. If you believe that Jesus is who he claims to be and that he died on a cross and he rose from the grave, would you just, would you trust him today? A God that would give his life for you deserves your trust. He's earned it. He purchased your salvation on a cross. Maybe today's the day. Maybe this is your Easter. Maybe like Thomas. You've heard the stories, but maybe like Thomas, you've not yet met the risen Lord. Today can be the day. Today can be the day that you look to the cross and see a Savior who died for you. The day you look to the empty tomb and see hope. Today is the day you admit your sin and accept your Savior. Today can be your Easter. But to be totally honest, there's also probably a couple of you that today might just be the day of reckoning for you. And I I don't mean that in the most negative sense possible, but the day that for the first time maybe ever, or maybe at least in a long time, that today you say, I'm just going to at least be honest. I have a hard time believing this. And perhaps today for the first time in a long time, you actually pray and you pray a real serious prayer to the Lord and say, God, I don't know if I believe it. But Lord, if I could just see this, then God, I believe I could believe. Maybe today's the day that you get real honest. You draw a line in the sand. You say, Lord, I want to believe, but help my unbelief. We're fixing to sing Blessed Assurance. The chorus goes this way. This is my story. This is my song. 
Today can be the beginning of your new story in Christ. It might be a story that begins with Easter 2021 was the day that I finally was honest about what I didn't believe so that I could figure out what I do believe. It might be that today's the day your story begins, I didn't believe, but on Easter 2021, even though I'd heard about him, I finally experienced the risen Lord. And I'll just be honest. Today might be the day that some of you say, man, I hadn't been in church in a long time. Pandemic kept me away, this kept me away, that kept me away. And you say, you know what, Easter 2021, that's the day that I reconnected with the people of God. I reconnected with the Lord. It's the day I stopped running and hiding behind whatever I had going on in my life. And I said, Lord God, here I am, take it, take it from me. Wrapped up in Thomas's confession is a repentance. There's a giving away. My Lord and my God. Can you hear it? Jesus, I'm sorry I didn't believe. Can you hear it? Jesus, take my unbelief. Can you, can you hear it? Jesus, take this failure. Jesus, take my hurt. Jesus, take my, my suffering. Lord, it was hard. I've been afraid. I'm still afraid. Jesus, here it is. Can you hear it? If that's you today, we're going to stand and sing in just a minute. When we do, I want to invite you. If you're in the sanctuary, one of our pastors will be down front. And they'd love to pray with you. Listen, I'll be up front. And I'll be standing over here. I'll be off camera. I would love to pray with you. If you just don't want to be seen on camera, you can walk around the back. Nobody will ever see you. I'd love to pray with you. Love to walk with you and talk with you about what it means to have a relationship with the Lord. Maybe some of you just need to come and say, Craig, this is my line. Craig, I, I'm going to tell you this line. I want you to pray that the Lord would answer me in this. And I want you to hold me accountable because I'd love to. I'd love to call you and say, hey, if you, has it happened yet? Let's find it. Today can be the day that you experience salvation full and free. It took Thomas eight days to experience Easter. But you know what? It didn't matter. Because when he experienced the Lord Jesus, everything else was wiped away. Doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done, how long it's been that you've run from Easter. Today can be the day that you experience the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you meet him today? Stand with me as we pray. Father God in heaven, I pray that you'd be at work on this Easter Sunday. That Lord God, you'd bring us unto yourself. Draw us near to you, Lord. Speak to us. Move among us as we sing. In Jesus' name, amen.